Jeff, we have a preseason game to watch or to not watch. Uh, I, I admit it. I will watch it. I hate preseason, but I also, also don't want to ever not watch a preseason game because you don't know what you're going to miss in terms of team development. So let me ask you this, Jeff, what will you be watching in the first preseason game? Yeah, pre- preseason games, Jim, are a little a little painful, kind of a necessary evil, shall we say, in the NFL world and I'm I'm just grateful that they're down to three of them now, and I and I hope someday they're they're down to two, and because when I started in the league, as you may recall, we had six of these dreadful games. <laughs> we played six preseason and fourteen regular season. Oh my goodness, the the preseason seemed to last forever. It was awful, and so I was very happy when they when they went to to four preseason and sixteen regular season. And even happier when they cut it back to three preseason. And as I said, I think two would be just fine. I think that you do need probably two of them, maybe. Although I don't think they play any in Canada, but maybe one. And especially when you consider that teams have joint practices. Next week, the 49ers will be here for two days of joint practices. And I think the coaches actually get more out of those joint practices than they do out of a preseason game because they they will play their starters more in a joint practice than they dare to do in a preseason game. So what I'll be watching for, first of all, is is who who is he going to sit out? And and I would hi- highly recommend that we don't see Dalvin Cook at all. And I, I would also highly recommend that he does not play Daniil Hunter or Zadarius Smith at all. And perhaps one series for those guys as they're trying to get used to the new scheme, the 3-4. So Darius, of course, played it in Green Bay. Dalvin, even though he's learning a new offense, he's doing everything in camp. And there's no no use in, in risking him. And I, I think one of the things that I think otherwise I'll be watching kind of the play of, of four key four key players in the secondary. And I'm talking about Cam Bynum as he tries to hold off the first-round pick, Lewis Seen, at safety opposite Harrison Smith. And then at the one-corner spot where Cam Dantzler is competing with Andrew Booth Jr., Dantzler, the Vikings did release, as you know, their first unofficial depth chart this week. And Dantzler is still listed as a starter. And he's had some good moments in camp. I saw him just the other day. Make a make a really nice play covering Justin Jefferson in the team drills, and so it looks like he is improving. It looks like he's more focused. Patrick Peterson talked about him this week and said that he's really become a more diligent player, and and Patrick's been trying to help him to to focus on on technique and focus on uh, what the coaches are calling. And so we'll see. I think Dancer's always had talent, but he's had those lapses, as we, of course, saw in Detroit last year on that awful last play of the game that cost him the game where he's retreating in the end zone. And so I just don't I don't know if the coaches are going to trust him enough. I think Booth ultimately looks like a more physical and perhaps even a better player. But if Dancer can 
can improve technique-wise and focus-wise and be more consistent, hey, it's good to have several of those guys because Patrick Peterson also can't play forever, even though I think he's playing better this year. So far, it looks even quicker than he did last year. Uh, so those are some of the things I'll be watching. The, the right guard battle, it, it looks like it's pretty much Jesse Davis. Ed Ingram, the second-round pick, is getting more reps even with the first team, especially when they give Davis his, his days off. And so we'll see what goes on at right guard. I think we're all going to be interested in seeing how Brad Garrett Bradbury plays in a game situation, but how much time will he be, even be in there? Maybe a, a couple of series with the first unit, or maybe they even play the offensive line a little bit more. We'll see. But so those are some of the things I'll be watching. And of course, we've been hearing great things about Greg Joseph in camp, and I've seen great things from him in camp, making 50 plus yard field goals. The end of the the scrimmage on Monday night at TCO Stadium hit, I think, a 58 yarder. And so he's having a great camp with nobody else in camp competing with him. Coaches are talking him up. But Viking fans, I'm sure, are still apprehensive (laughs) when it comes to any kicker. (laughs) And so that's some of the things in the preseason game we'll be watching. He's Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, former NFL executive of the year. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL insider. This is part of TalkNorth.com. This is one of our two football shows, along with the Viking Update show. Of course, we have all the sports covered, and we've added Mike Grimm and uh, Dave Lee and Blois Olson and On the Bench guys and Nate Prosser. Uh, So we have uh, four hockey shows at this point, tons of outdoor content. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com, or you can subscribe to your favorite podcast app, which is what we recommend because it's free and it's easy. Thanks to our producer, Brian Burdett, and thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, let, let's get into Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, even his own team president called him kind of a different kind of guy. I think we've learned the last three, four years that he's a very different guy and not always in endearing ways. Yeah, he he's certainly, we know, an, an egomaniac. And the latest news that's come out, of course, is Aaron talking about his hallucinogenic drink that he took in an off-season retreat to Peru last year and I think a couple of years ago and then the NFL was asked does that violate the the performance enhancing drug policy and they said no and so he he perhaps dodged a little bullet there but I thought the the part that was kind of humorous in the whole thing he's talking about how much he loves he's learned to love himself and love his teammates and his organization and trying to be more patient with people, blah, blah, blah. And then then he's asked after several days of the defense kicking the, the offense's butt in Packer training camp, he's asked when the offense is going to turn the tables. And he goes, I don't know if we're if we're able if we're going to at all. <laughs> so kind of funny, even though he then amplified it by saying our defense is really talented and on and on. But so I guess he couldn't resist from even taking a shot at, at his own offense and, and particularly in a, in a subtle way, his offensive line that's missing two star players and Elgin De- Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, two pro bowlers, which is good news for Daniil Hunter and, Z- and Zadarius Smith. <laughs> if they can stay healthy going into that opener on September 11th, that they may be facing a couple of less experienced 
less quality tackles, shall we say. And one of the things I thought was interesting this week was O'Connell talking about Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith and talking about what, what a fantastic, phenomenal camp they're having and this and that. And so, yeah, which is why, again, I say don't play them much in preseason because they are, I think, along with Kirk Cousins, they're as key as anything to what's going to happen this season. I guess throwing Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook in the mix there too. But, yeah, Hunter and Zadarius Smith are just so crucial to that defense being able to pressure the quarterback. Thanks to our sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law. If you'd like to advertise with this show or the network as we continue to grow, you can reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. So, listen, I don't begrudge somebody going to Peru and trying some hallucinogenic uh, substance. That's cool. Whatever you want to do, you know. Uh, why would you talk about it? Uh, the thing about Rodgers is I think he thinks – He's so smart that, therefore, anything he talks about, anything he says, therefore, must be smart. And, and you know, we used to have a phrase for this when I was a baseball writer covering, you know, players who would get the big contract. And we called it smart rich. Uh, it's players who think if they have money, they must be smart. It doesn't always work that way. No. And, and again, I, I think it alienates a lot of people and with just his, his persona and now this new love myself thing and it's just it's too much too much aaron you just need to as we say shut up and play and let your play do the talking which has been pretty good but all the other stuff is just is just way too much and again even talking about the packer receiving core and missing Devonte adams and yeah we're going to be okay and i like these young guys and fourth round pick dobbs and this and that well the proof will be coming in September, and as I've said before, I think it's a good thing for the Vikings that they see the Packers week one here. I think that's that's a positive before the Packers get everything in sync and Christian Watson, their second-round pick, is expected to come off PUP next week uh, after after he has, has, has had some knee issues. But as far as Jenkins and Bakhtiari, there's really no word. But yeah, I think I think Aaron Rodgers talks too much, and in, in some ways, it, it's it kind of feels like Tom Brady too, who I think when he was in New England, he was he was a lot more endearing as a as a personality. He didn't say much; he was kind of kind of vanilla. But he was a lot easier to like in those years than since he came to Tampa. He just talks all the time. He tweets all the time. He thinks he's bigger than life. He wants. He's have, have has his own documentary. I think. I think Brady was a lot more likable in New England. I think Rogers was a lot more likable. Maybe when he was backing up Brett Favre. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, that's the thing because he almost was perceived as a victim when he backed up Brett Favre because everybody knew that Favre either hated him or hated the fact that the Packers drafted him. Uh, Favre didn't give him the time of day. It was really easy to look at Rogers. This, this nice kid who just wants to play football. Boy, the more we find out about him, the bigger jackass he appears to be. Uh, uh, hey, let's uh, let's switch gears here. Let's talk more about the Vikings. We do first, though, want to thank longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC. And my 
great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see 0% APR on most GMC and Buick SUV models, including that stylish Encore GX. Check out the all-new next-generation GMC Sierra 1500 and reserve yours now and explore the GMC Sierra HD. Don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law. All you need to know is if you're injured, remember 612-TSR-TIME. They will take good care of you. They will not charge you unless they win your case, and they win lots of cases. That's why they've grown so much. Uh, it's funny, Jeff. I think if I didn't do a weekly podcast with you, I might just assume that the Packers should win in week one. And the more I talk to you, the more I see hear Aaron Rodgers talk, the more I see their injury problems, their lack of receiving experience, the more I think, that I'll probably end up picking the Vikings week one. Yeah, except that defense is pretty good. <laughs> it is. It is. They are, they are stout, and they added two first-round picks. However, I, I do think that the, the two rookies uh, will be a lot more effective come week 17 or weeks, yeah, week 17 in Lambeau Field New Year's Day than they will be in week one. And so I, I think that, it is, as I said, a great time to play the Packers, but that defense is still going to be stout. And they've got Jair Alexander back, and he'll be paying close attention to Justin Jefferson in that game. And so it's going to be, a, I think, a, a fun, terrific matchup. We just got to get through these three preseason games and this next couple of weeks, and then it, there's going to be a lot of hype for that game, as much as I think for any opener, especially when you add to the equation, it's, it's Kevin O'Connell's first first game as a head coach, and, and how, how's that going to play out with the new coaching staff to switch to a 3-4 for the Vikings, a, a new offense. And so you figure there's still going to be a learning curve a little bit with these new schemes also. But I'm still picking the Vikings week one. We'll see. I think it's going to be a great game. Let's make another comparison here. Who would you rather have for this season? Who, who do you think wins more games? Josh McDaniels, first year with the Raiders, Derek Carr, or Kevin O'Connell, Kevin, uh, excuse me, I almost called him Kevin Cousins, Kirk Cousins, and the Vikings. Who has the better situation this year? Well, I, I actually like the Vikings' possibilities a little better than the Raiders. I think the problem for the Raiders, they're, they're playing in, in just a stacked division and probably the best division in the NFL when you look at, at uh, Kansas City, the Chargers, Denver with Russell Wilson and and then the Raiders playing in that division is really, really tough. Whereas the Vikings, yeah, they've got Green Bay, but the Bears are are a mess right now. That's that's a team that has had talk about injury problems. They, they've lost their number two receiver, Byron Pringle. They've got Darnell Mooney, not much else at receiver, and they're trying trying to develop Justin Fields. Without much help, the offensive line has been shaky. The defense has lost 
their backbone with Khalil Mack and, and Akeem Hicks. Roquan Smith wants to be traded. The Bears, I think, are a mess. And Detroit is, is kind of an intriguing team. They, they've added a lot of talent. They're on hard knocks. They're, they're talking big. I think they're going to be improved, but it's still not, it's not the AFC West. And so I, I like the Vikings' chances to, and, and also with their schedule, having, having the, the, the nine home games, seven road games, two road games, and the one neutral site game in New Orleans in London, I think that's an advantage for them too. So I think I think the Vikings are a ten-win team. The Raiders may get there, but I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I agree. That that division is absolutely brutal. All right. So Kevin O'Connell, you know, the fear when he I think among some journalists when he first got here was just to be a Mr. Happy Talk kind of guy. Uh, he, he has been willing to share some insights on what he actually thinks. Uh, you know, Patrick Royce is going to be very disappointed that he was wrong about that. Just give me the trouble, Patrick. Um, <laughs> and he's been fairly blunt about assessing Bradbury. How do you read his Bradbury comments? Yeah, I think that is that is really kind of fascinating because he is extremely positive about players. And we've seen it with how he's talking about Joseph, the kicker, how he's talking about Hunter, Hunter and Sidarius Smith. And and this, this week he was spewing uh, radiantly about Eric Hendricks uh, on the inside and Jordan Hicks as inside linebackers, how smart they are, how great they are, great feel. And then they asked him about Bradbury and he went, "Uh, well, yeah, he's really good with his run blocking and and good at getting us in the right sets, but we're challenging him every day in terms of his pass protection. And yeah, I think – he is about the only guy that I've really seen uh, Kevin O'Connell take to task a little bit publicly. And, and so that tells us that there's a battle there and that they're not thrilled with what they're seeing from Bradbury, even in camp as he's trying to block a guy like Harrison Phillips, who's a good nose tackle in the league. But I'm not sure Harrison Phillips is – I don't think he's as good as Kenny Clark, who they're going to face in, with Green Bay opening day. And so, yeah, can Chris Reed push Bradbury? I wouldn't be surprised. And some people I've talked to on the inside are, are, are saying that, that that could well happen, that either Chris Reed or Austin Schlotman could, could uh, replace him, maybe not opening day, but, but pretty soon, if Bradbury does not improve as a pass protector. Because this is going to be – you can talk all you want about run offense, but this is going to be – much more of a passing offense than I think we've seen in the past, which makes sense because of the quality of the receiving core and Dalvin Cook being a good receiver out of the backfield. And so, yeah, I think Bradbury is on the clock, shall we say. The jury's still out. Oh, no doubt about it. It's going to be really interesting to see if he can if he can hold on to that job. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. It, it The vibe we're getting, uh, whether it's accurate or not, is that Mond is just not doing that well in camp. And uh, I'm wondering, do you think that's reality? Do you think he's in danger of either losing his job or being a third quarterback even this year? Yeah, I think he is. I think he, the, the preseason games, when I talked about what to watch for, I should have added that actually, Jim, because I think that's a really big key. And, and Cousins will put, play maybe one series, probably two at most, 
and I think I think yeah, I think the court the backup quarterbacks are going to be a definite focal point in these preseason games. And I was really fo- focused more on the starters when I answered your first question, but but now talking further, yeah, the, the quarterbacks are key. Sean Mannion, we, we've seen enough of him in a couple of appearances that he's just a very average at best kind of guy. And hopefully they don't, they don't even need him because Cousins has been one of the most durable guys in the league. But the hope was that Mond would give him something different, that maybe they could even use him in certain sequences or whatever. That was kind of a wildcat guy, whatever. But yeah, I, I tend to agree with the analysis and, and what you're hearing in, in terms of that he has not looked great in camp. He's looked okay. I think he's got a good enough arm. I watch him in, in a lot of the drills, but when they get to 11 on 11, it, it's not translating quite as well. And maybe that is the new system that he's learning and, and whatnot. But these preseason games are really important for Kellen Mond to, to make a step forward. At the beginning of camp, I thought that he was going to be a clear-cut guy. It looked like he was taking the number two reps more than Mannion was. And I think they would like Mond to win the job. But if it doesn't happen, they're not going to force the issue. And one thing we know, when a new regime comes in, they're not tied to the previous draft choices. And Kellen Mond was a, a Spielman era draft pick. So he has a lot to, lot to prove, shall we say. If I could feel sorry for somebody who makes $50 million a year and has botched almost everything he's ever touched, I would feel a little bit sorry for Roger Goodell right now because he actually went out and hired some uh, a federal judge to deal with disciplinary actions and that judge completely botched the the Watson ruling and now Goodell has to basically appeal to himself so he can get <laughs> what he wants to have done which is he thinks he thinks Watson deserves a year suspension and a significant uh, financial fine whether it's through missed game checks or just a, an additional fine uh, so I'm actually in I'm actually on Goodell's side in this process but it, it certainly didn't work out the way he expected it to. No, it, it did not. And yeah, the, the the decision by Super Robinson not not in in sync with what the league had hoped for, or what perhaps public perception was looking for. And so, rightfully so, I think they did appeal. I, I thought what was really interesting is that he came out at the at the owners' meeting here in Minneapolis this week, where the the Broncos ownership was was uh, approved the new ownership of the of the Walmart family <laughs> who have some pretty deep pockets so probably a good thing for for the Broncos but Goodell came out at that meeting and was asked about the Watson decision and and you would expect him to say well it's under appeal I I'm, I'm not really going to talk about it. no he went contrary and said yeah I think he should be should get a full year, and and he was very adamant about it, which I thought was was rather surprising considering it is on appeal, and he has hired Peter Harvey, the ex-New Jersey Attorney General, as the appeal officer to hear it. And so it's it's almost like he's sending a strong message to Harvey, which he probably already told him privately anyway in in the briefs or privately or publicly in the briefs about it. But I was surprised that he came out so strong publicly at this stage of the game. And I guess maybe he just felt it was a good PR move too, because 
of, of the pushback after after the decision by by the arbiter yeah uh, i really hope he gets a year and a heavy fine and uh, i at least appreciate for once Goodell, you know trying to make the right thing happen instead of just it's so often i feel like he's just trying to get things closed and make him a a, a short-term story this one he's actually dragging out and i actually appreciate it one more topic for today once again thanks to white bear lake superstore whitebearlakesuperstore.com thanks to tsr injury law thanks to our producer brianne burdett thanks for listening to talknorth.com again you know the lineup cheryl reeve michael russo anthony lapanta royce molly lavelle neal john krasinski jeff diamond john malay uh many more uh, check it all out at talknorth.com. Oh, and Mike Grimm and the new Go Gopher podcast. That's really cool, too. Uh, let's talk about the kicker. We have a Vikings coach praising a kicker. I'm not sure what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Mike Zimmer back in Kentucky is probably rolling his eyes as if to say, hey, better wait till it really counts before you start yep. praising too much. And yeah, but the truth is that Greg Joseph has had a great camp, and uh, the ball's jumping off his foot, and and he already ran off the competition in in mini camp when they when they cut Bert Burkich, who by the way is in Green Bay right now, and Mason Crosby. You talk about the Packers injury issues. Mason Crosby is on PUP, and he's coming off offseason surgery. And Burkich is the number one kicker now, and, and he's been a little bit shaky in Packer camp like he was here. So I'm sure Crosby will be ready to go opening day, but but that's kind of an interesting sidelight. And, and, yeah, I'm not sure I'd be saying what the special teams coach, Mike Daniels, was saying that he's going to have his greatest year and, and all this and that. Well, nice to build up his confidence. And apparently it's working because he's having a great camp. But, yeah, we'll see when it really counts. No doubt about it. All right, let's get a final thought from Jeff. Thanks again for listening to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Of course, we'll be back next week to recap what happened in the Raiders game and start talking about more in depth about what we've seen and what's really going to come down in terms of positional battles as camp comes to a close. Uh, Jeff, give me one last thought on the Vikings. Yeah, I thought looking at their depth chart, and not a lot surprising there, but one thing that kind of jumped out at me, when you look at that backup receiver battle, and they listed Jefferson and Thielen, of course, as, as the first two, Osborne and Smith-Marset as the next two, which is certainly understandable. Smith-Marset also is the, the punt returner right now. And then the third group, and I think they're going to carry six receivers, uh, B.C. Johnson, who's coming off an ACL and has experience, and looks good in camp. And then Myron Mitchell. I, I thought that was interesting that Myron Mitchell was listed as kind of the among that third group ahead of guys like Jalen Naylor, who's a draft pick, a uh, sixth-round pick who could also be a returner, and ahead of Albert Wilson, who's an, uh, an eight-year vet and had 25 catches last year in Miami and has played extensively for Kansas City and Miami in his career. And Wilson apparently is not knocking their socks off at training camp. And I actually dropped a, a, a potential touchdown pass at the end of practice uh, the other day. So interesting, Myron Mitchell, I guess he's another guy we'll keep our eye on in, in preseason games because he'll get a lot of time as Jefferson and Thielen surely will not get too many snaps in preseason. I think the other interesting thing I saw, one more thing, was listening to 
Daniil Hunter talk about Christian Derrissaw and his development. And I, I think that certainly is, is one of the keys to the future on that offensive line is that they've got two guys they can really count on in Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw. And it kind of reminds me back in the, in the nineties when, when we, when we had kind of the bookend offensive tackles, uh, Todd Stussy and Corey Stringer, we drafted in the first round back-to-back years and they were part of the backbone of that offensive line. That was so great when we went 15 and one in 98 and, but hearing Hunter talk about Derrissaw, and, he, and he's saying he's just not the same player as last year. He's way above and beyond what they've seen. Potentials limit, limitless, and going to keep improving. And I, I think, yeah, players players when they're asked about other players, they're going to talk positive. But he was really extremely positive, more so than he needed to be if he didn't believe it. So that that's impressive to me that it looks like Christian Derrissaw is really coming on and can be a force in the league at that left tackle spot, which is obviously such a critical spot. That is one of the best developments they could possibly have this camp is to have Darisov come on strong and give them bookend excellent offensive tackles. All right, we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. I'm looking forward to this season. It's going to be fascinating. And, of course, Jeff's going to give you insights from the perspective of a former general manager, a former team president, someone who worked with an, works with an agency, who works with players. Uh, we're, we're very grateful to have Jeff on the network. So thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Brianne. We'll talk to you next week.